Hello, wild ones. Welcome to the Black Girl Country Living podcast, where we explore nature as a way to connect to ourselves, community, and the living world. Join us each month as we explore a new theme with stories and interviews that center the perspectives and experiences of people of color. We are a collective on a journey to find healing in nature and discover how the outside can guide us inward. If you are ready, grab a cup of tea, take a deep breath to ground yourself in this moment, and let's rewild. Hello and welcome everyone to the March edition of the Black Girl Country Living Podcast. This month, we are sitting with the idea of light and looking at what it represents in nature and our lives. Light can create, it can energize, and it can envelop. It can expose, cast shadows, and it can also bear witness. Today, we are going to get into all of those ideas and more. I have a note for you about how light creates space for vulnerability. We're going to hit the road with a travel photographer to learn about how light can be a beacon of truth and a calling. Then a friend is going to join me for our sacred story today and talk a little bit about love as a form of light. At the end, I have some rewilding updates for you, so stick around. Let's start things off with my note to you about allowing light to guide us out of the darkness. My dearest wild ones, as we step out of the depths of winter and into early spring, I am noticing just how delicate this season is. I am watching the bare earth thaw and await new life, exposing this moment of rawness and vulnerability, plus a glimmer of hope. Some of the most tender plants are emerging from the soil, not knowing what they will encounter. The first flowers I see are tiny white snowdrops. They bow their heads to the earth as a nod to the humility required to step out into the unknown. They gaze towards the earth in love and praise, as if reassuring the next round of beauties that they too can reach for the like. I wonder if they knew they were giving me permission to do the same. Inspired by their spirit and vulnerability, I wanted to take my own step out into the unknown. You see, this world of rewilding has been an enchanting space for me, but I often wonder whether it can be just as transformative for other people. It began as a seed placed in my heart, though I had no idea that it had been planted. At first, I was scared of what I could feel growing within me and fearful that this thing could change me. I didn't know what was happening, but the longer the seed was with me, the more curious I became. I began to believe that something beautiful could come from this change, so I nurtured it. Rewilding turned out to be nature speaking to me and revealing to me my fullest self. A picture that I was deeply afraid to see, worried that I may have to admit that I was imperfect or not enough. As it turns out, Lady Nature was showing me that it was okay to be myself. 
however messy, complicated, or imperfect that person might be. She called me out of my home and into her arms to teach me lessons about myself and truths about the world that I had never seen. She sat with me day by day, believing that I too could fly as freely as the eagles and take up as much space as the elk. My story of rewilding felt so personal that I didn't know whether other people would understand what it meant to step into this world. It's so personal that I didn't know whether people would care to open themselves up to this way of seeing the world or themselves. It's so personal that I doubted whether I could even find the words to explain it. It's so personal that it felt silly to share when there's so many pressing problems going on in the world right now. But just before I had talked myself out of sharing, Mama Nature whispered to me, something so personal is exactly what makes this a shared experience. And so, I did as the tiny snowdrop taught me to do, and I humbly stepped out. I dipped my head and invited people into my world. I didn't know how I would translate this to other people, but I wanted to try. And so I gathered a group of people in a little log cabin for a yoga and sound bath rewilding experience. Though we were in the city, we were surrounded by towering trees and the big windows invited in the overcast winter light. The space filled with calming smells of essential oils and soothing sounds of mellow lo-fi music. It was a tiny portal out of the city into a much wilder and freer place. The morning of the event, I paced around the cabin, anxiously trying to remember the lines I had written about why we had gathered. Thoughts of doubt arose in me, and I tried not to give in to the fear. Soon, a stream of faces started to come through the door, stepping into the sacred space of peace and ease. Each person was a reminder that they believed in this idea, and reassurance that our connection to nature matters, especially now. A reminder that many of us are craving thoughtful spaces to share our truths and witness each other on this collective healing journey. Once the room had filled, we began with some deep breaths to slow our individual minds and draw ourselves into the shared experience together. I welcomed and thanked each of these beautiful people for sharing this space and offered some words of how rewilding has changed me, how it allowed me to see myself differently, more fully, more compassionately, and how I felt called to help other people see themselves that way too. I was terrified and excited, and trying my best to recall the lessons of the snowdrop. Knowing that rewilding cannot take place alone in the dark, I invited this room of strangers to share a small piece of their truth with one another and bear witness to each other, just as Mama Nature had done for me. This moment is where the first seed of rewilding gets planted, the space where we get to collectively hold the fragments of each other with tenderness and non-judgment, the space where suffering is transformed into love, the space where healing begins to happen. And so, we shared our individual truths and collectively recognized the beautiful, whole beings that were reaching for new light. As we went around the room sharing these intentions, my heart was overcome with love and appreciation for the bravery and vulnerability that each of these people brought into the space. They shared their hopes, their dreams, their pain, 
their struggles. We shed tears with and for one another. We comforted one another with nods, whispers, and hugs. Then we moved through healing body movement together. We laughed together and we rested in peace together. It was more magical and beautiful than I could have imagined. It was rewilding. As I closed out our time together, I thought back to those snowdrops in my front yard, those small, delicate flowers that bravely stepped out into a tiny crack of light, the ones that looked down to tell the others that it was okay to be seen. I realized that because I allowed the light to shine on my truth, I gave permission for other people to do the same, to show up as their fullest selves and to feel okay expressing their lived truths and beautiful joys that they carried with them. Together, we stepped out of the darkness of winter and into the light of spring. With love and light from your rewilding guide, Hillary. We have all had moments where our vulnerabilities get exposed to the light, sometimes by our own choosing and sometimes not. But there are also times when the light can reveal something to us. It can give us a perspective and insight. It can hold us and soothe us. And it can also show us the answers that were within us all along. Let's catch up with Javaris, a Black nature photographer, and hear how light has found him through his work. My name is Javaris Johnson. I am a freelance outdoor travel photographer based in the PNW. I started photography about eight years ago and it's been just life-changing. I came from an auto mechanic background. and I had a long skateboard career and photography kind of just fell into place randomly one day. Something that was a hobby turned into my full-time thing. And I don't think I could have chosen a better path. (laughs) I started out just walking around at night in the city of Seattle, roaming around and trying to catch long exposure shots of cars and buses. And I met a friend and we went on a hike. My first hike was Wallace Falls. And that's when I got my first dose of nature, seeing that big waterfall and just breathing in all of the air and the beauty that it has to offer. To me, it was just so healing. After I got that first dose, I was like, okay, this is a beautiful spot. So what other beautiful spots are around the Washington area that I could go explore? I transitioned real quick from walking around the city to literally getting in my car and just driving to every nature spot that I could find. And it just started from there. I found my calling. (laughs) About a year and a half in, I was robbed in Seattle for my camera and my equipment. When you are in the scariest place ever and you hit fight or flight mode, You slip off into this movie film skit of your life and you see this bright light. When you see the bright light, you'll watch a whole skit from when you were born to the time that you're standing there now. And and then you snap back into reality. 
I saw a light, and when I came back, I was just like, I need something to heal me, and I didn't know what it was. I started going out to nature, and then that's when I started discovering how light works, how light really plays with nature. So I use that as a metaphor from getting over the traumas of being in those dark times. Like, it could really heal you. Every place that I go to has something to do with my mood and how I'm feeling that day. There's days I will feel very depressed and down, and then I'll get, like, these amazing sun rays that will blast through the trees. And I would have never thought the lighting would shine the way it just did. And I felt like it's just a connection that I have with nature. Like, she felt what I was going through, and mm -hmm. this is what she delivered. Sunsets and blue hours and moody fog, all of those conditions really play a big part in my mood. Lighting for me is, and how should I say this? Lighting is everything. There's so many metaphors for lighting, like there's light at the end of the tunnel. We're always searching for that bright light. And I feel like spiritually, lighting is, is, is healing. I've been through so many dark days where I would just go to a nature spot and I would just sit there and I would just, just be quiet and be content on where I'm at. And then something godly just happens. And Mother Nature just performs in her beautiful way that she always does. And I'm just there to capture that. I feel like it's like the universe and Mother Nature is talking to me, telling me to come to this location to take a breather and enjoy this for what it is. It feels godly. It feels spiritual. The way light performs for me in my favor, it's like it was just for me only. <laughs> Thank you so much to Javaris for sharing your story. The way he captures light is truly incredible, y'all. If you have not seen the photography, check out the links to his work in the show notes and the latest issue of Black Girl Country Magazine, and be sure to support. Up next in our sacred story, we talk about love. This month, we're talking about light as a source for a lot of different things. It can be a life force, a source of energy, a beacon of truth. Light is also a form of love. It's really something that it can exist in limitless form. And I think the person who made me think of this was Bell Hooks. She talked about love as expressed through everyday things that we do, the community that we live in, how we commune with the earth. And she said that love is a practice that requires dedication, commitment, and understanding. And I wanted to explore all of these ideas. So today I invited a dear friend to talk about love. She's somebody who I think really embodies love. She loves people. She loves the world around her. And she took her love of nature and founded a beautiful beachfront camping space called Motherland. So welcome to the podcast, Amina Layla. Yes, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about you and the campground? 
Yeah, so I am Amina Layla, affectionately known as Mina. Motherland came about during COVID, September 2020. I had just moved in with my fiance, and then next thing you know, we're locked in the house together. I was a single mom for years. My daughter was a teen. He had two sons, and I'm an introvert. So a big part of my self-love is to have space to recharge, just to be me, to be creative. I've always felt nature just brought me back to me, centered me, helped me deal with any mental health issues that I had. So, you know, imagine COVID comes and now I can't leave the house and we're in this small space with a lot more people than what I was used to. So I was like, I need to stretch out. I'm going to find just a piece of grass. And it just manifested. After I spoke it, my cousin called and said, hey, I found this spot on hip camera. I was like, let's camp at a beach. And I scrolled down and it looks like he was selling it. And I was like, this cannot still be available. I reached out to that guy. It was like, hey, is this for sale? And he responded, yes, it is. And we went out to visit. We had a verbal contract. And then he called and was like, hey, let's close. And I closed. And what I found is that when I was in that space, it was so healing to me that I was like, I have to share this with everybody, specifically Black folk. I need more Black folk to come out here and do this with me. We named it Motherland with a V because when I'm here, I feel like I'm in the motherland. I want this to signify to Black people that this was for you. And also mother is Yemaya. Yemaya is the mother. Yemaya is the provider. Yemaya is home, is love. You know, she's where you run back to when you need to revive yourself. You're in a space that I poured my heart into. You're in the space where I found myself and I feel like there's nothing left for you to do there, but find yourself as well. I didn't know that full story. Yeah. It's beautiful to, to hear the evolution and how intentional you were about what you wanted to do with the space. That's mm-hmm. such a beautiful intention and we definitely need spaces like that. I want to talk a little bit about love and then we're going to come back around to the campground. Um, Bell Hooks provides a really beautiful definition about love. She said that it is a form of power and energy, and it is action in order to nurture both your own spirit and somebody else's spiritual growth. So it's beyond just a feeling. And I'm curious, does that definition of love resonate for you? Or do you think of love in a different way? No, that definitely resonates. The thing I took from it is love is intentional, right? And so I learned intentional love as a parent and as a partner. So when my daughter is being a way that I would not have prescribed for her to be, and I don't necessarily mean being bad, but just being different, causing me to come out of my comfort zone of who I wanted to mold her to be, I have to respond in love. I have to always be a steadfast rock of love for her. And love in that form means being intentionally accepting of who she decided she wanted to be in that moment, being intentionally accepting of how she decides to show up. Same with my partner, being accepting of who he is, being accepting of how I love him, being intentional about showing the love to him. I think that I do live in a way where I'm intentional about love. It's not happenstance. You know, when people are in my sphere, it's, you know, the support I give them, That shit comes from a place where I told myself I'm going to do that. Love is so precious to me that I don't want people to mistake my love. But it's real. And honestly, when I've taken away my love, that's real too. And that's intentional too. (laughs) 
I don't want to lose my Mina love. That's I want to know what that's like. <laughs> well, and that's because love has boundaries, right? If love is oh, a gift, yeah. love has boundaries. I've learned very similar to you how important it is to be really unmistakable about that because it's like people don't see that. And I think that was the thing I recognized in you almost immediately is you don't hold back on I love when and to be loving is vulnerable, right? And mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people stray away from it. We're afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid to be ourselves. Yeah. We are afraid to be hurt. And to love someone is to put yourself in a position where you can be hurt. But I think the reward of love is so good because it's your authentic place. I think that's who we are authentically as spirits. So yeah, yeah. I can think about it. Then, there were a couple of things that coincided for me when I decided I, I need to be more intentional about it. The pandemic and just realizing life is short and anything could happen. And at the same time, we bought our house on an acre of land and I was spending more time in nature than I ever had before. And I just had this deeply spiritual experience where I was just sitting out on my deck and the clouds parted and the sun came through and the birds were flying through here and chirping. And I'm like, what is happening? What is going on? And I was scared. I was terrified. And then the more I leaned into it, I was like, oh, this is, this is a whole new level of understanding myself. And I think I didn't realize the way that you can receive unconditional love from nature. Yeah, absolutely. What you experienced was Mother Earth is opening up and enveloping you and reminding you that you're a part of this. Yeah. And so I think I feel that at Motherland often. One of the things I'm big on teaching is self-love, right? People think that they love others because they overgive of themselves. And I'm like, but that's not self-loving. Love has boundaries. Love is unconditional, but it still needs to be safe. What I've learned in loving others is I can't truly love them. I can only mimic love until I love me. I have to know what love feels like and I have to know how to give myself love so that I can recognize it when I'm receiving it as well. I walk around the house loving on myself. I give myself grace. I talk to myself. I'm like, Mina, girl, it's okay. You know, it's okay. People mess up. You don't have to be perfect. Who told you that? I even am intentional about the love I give myself when I accomplish something, right? Girl, Mm -hmm. you today. Yes. You completed or girl, you got your rest today. Self-love has always been my ministry. Self-love is something that I feel goes hand in hand with nature because to go outside and re-energize yourself or decompress is a self-loving act. You know, Yeah. when I take my daughter with me or my family now, I'm teaching them how to love themselves. And I'm also teaching them how to love me through that. I think is I think freedom to be yourself, especially in nature, is so important in the self-love process. Yeah. If yeah. one of the tools that are naturally there for you, I feel like especially black folk, we are earth folk. And after the transatlantic slave trade, we forgot that because we had trauma with trees, trauma with large bodies of water. So Motherland is a place where I'm addressing and healing that trauma. Come out here and I know, I know you don't do the outside thing unless it's a cookout, but let's bring you into this and let me, yeah, let's show you yeah. how to deter the bugs without killing them, right? Yeah. Let's get you back into the water without you feeling overwhelmed and 
maybe you do feel small, but let's find the beauty in that. We're not looking at it as something that Black people don't do because that is something we do because that's where we also find love for ourselves, our natural selves, how we used to be. Yeah. Because I didn't realize how much pressure was on me until I had time and quietness in nature. And I'm like, wow, the things that I say to myself, I would never say to anybody else. When you walk out in a place of unconditional acceptance, it just feels different. It's like, oh, I get to put all my things down. You know, I think a lot of people have maybe one person in their life that they can be their fullest selves around, that they feel safe being bare and vulnerable. And I think people have forgotten that Mother Nature is the ultimate place of that. Absolutely. Because we're just as much a part of this living world as anything else. And everything else has an abundance of love in order to grow, in order to thrive, in order to flourish. And we have that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. My personal belief is the reason we're here is to love. I know it sounds so cliche, but when people talk about fulfillment, it, it to me always boils down to love. To self-love, yeah. love of earth, love of your neighbor. Love of your family, love of the process, love of the experience, love of being present it really is the core of everything. So when I walk into a room, I want to be love. I want to be the light. My goal is not to change you, to love you. And that's a person or a place. That's people or land. Um, because I'm on the coast, the one thing that I've had to accept is erosion, right? And in that acceptance is that Muppa is going to do whatever it is she's going to do. Right. Yeah. I just have to figure out a way to level on the land. I'm just a steward of the land. I don't really own it. Yeah. Then when I bring my campers in, what's important that I talk to them about that too. This is how you level on the land. This is how you leave no trace when you leave this place. I even have my campers bring offerings to Yamaya. Go ahead and bring you a watermelon. Do an offering however you want. But the reminder is this is a spiritual place and in spirit, you are love and earth. Mm -hmm. So bring that energy when you come here. I would love to know how you've seen the space create community and how you think love has been a part of that. Ooh, that's a good question. So how I've seen it create community. I would say, one, the community that's rallied around me to cultivate the space. When these people come and they pour into the space, they become family. Some of the neighbors that are closer to the site than I am, they love on the space. They send me pictures like, it's my baby in a recital just the space alone brings community because people want to pour into it. But outside of that, Motherland has a lot of Black camping groups that come out. Actually, camping groups, period. But I think the Black camping groups make me proud to see us stepping out of our comfort zone and taking up space in a place where we aren't usually represented. You know, new Black campers are my babies because I understand what you have to go through to get past the block. And also to even build a group of Black folk who will go out with you to care mm-hmm. overnight. No amenities, you know, maybe a nice porta potty because my porta potty is always clean. Also, people are finding their spirituality at Motherland. And so I'm having groups of yoga people, drumming circles, healing circles come to Motherland and they all commune there. And so it has become a place where People return to each year. Motherland is now a part of somebody's tradition. And that is, man, I have chills just saying it. Like, wow, there's no more loving feeling than knowing that you've created a space that's now become a part of communities outside of you. 
I feel like I'm walking in my purpose and I feel like mother. I feel like a proud mom. Like, yes, babies, come and get this healing and this love because that's really mm-hmm. there. I love that so much. One of the things that I recognized when people started coming over to visit our house is just how much they were able to let down their guard and just be fully present. We have a ton of flowers. I've started gardening. And you realize all of those things are acts of love because it creates beauty. And like you recognize beauty, it's reflecting something back to us. And so the more spaces that we have where we see that reflected back at us, the more we recognize ourselves. And that's where you begin to cultivate as a practice of self-love, a practice of loving your community. It just, it doesn't stop from there. And, And when you build up those spaces, what happens is your guests come and they see the love you put into it and they feel the love. And so it's like your yeah. earth of love is just infinite. You're transforming them into nature lovers. For me, spirituality and love are the same thing. There is no difference. And my spirit is love. So I'm going to give that to you and my actions. And my spirit is love. So I'm going to bring that with me when I'm a steward of the land. And I couldn't agree more. Um, and the the experience of raising my young boys... And wanting to give them a different language mm-hmm. to express themselves than I had. And one of those things was teaching them about love. And I had a time where I'm like, I don't have a model for this. Who's going to teach me these things if I didn't learn them? And I think so much of me spending time in nature and seeing just how gentle nature is and reassuring. Mm-hmm. And there's real lessons in that. And I mm-hmm. think me three years ago, hearing myself say this, I'd been like, what is this? What is she talking about? And I get focus, it. Focus, hippie stuff. Yes. And, but now I'm like, nature has made me a much better parent because I've learned so much about myself and the way that I feel reassured when I make a mistake in the garden. Like no one's going to show up and tell me I did something wrong. Nature's going to do her best, but it's just a lesson. And we pick it up. We try diff- something differently next time. And I realized, wow, we create such a hostile environment for our kids, not encouraging them. That's not loving on them for trying. I genuinely believe that so much of what I've learned in nature has transferred into me being a much better mother. Yes. Because when you're in that garden and you planted something wrong and then the next year you realize you have these volunteer tomatoes showing up that you didn't plant, you realize that nature is going to thrive anyway. You know, she's going to do it anyway. We'll do her. And yeah, nature is going to be and life keeps going. And we also love that you have your babies out there with you because what it's going to teach them is how to revive themselves, you know, when they need to, how to find their core and their center when you're not around. They'll have the tools. So, you know, same like that tomato plant, I'm going to be me, I'm going to do me. But as long as you water me with love, I know how to find myself. I know how to find the love again. And I know it to me. So, so I love that. And I love that for your baby. Okay, nephews. Before we wrap up, can you just tell me one lesson that you think nature has taught you most about yourself? One that I want other people to know is nature is always home. And you can always go back home, step outside, that's home. Go out on your deck, look at the birds, that's home. Go walk through your local park, that's home. It always is home. Be intentional about making nature home for you. 
Love that. Love that. Mina, this has been so fun. I would love to do this again. This was great. I love what you're doing. But you're just reminding us all to be very intentional about being in nature, that we are part of nature, and that love exists all around us, especially in nature. So keep doing what you're doing, girl. This is great. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Can you share where people can find you? Motherland Beach, our website is coming soon. We'll be offering all sorts of camping gear to get you outside. It's made for us, by us. So you're going to see African print camping gear and things that remind you of home. If you want to camp at the Motherland, go to Hip Camp, type in Motherland Beach. We're in Lexington Park, Maryland. And come and find your healing, bring your loving energy, and I'll be there to welcome you back home. Thank you so much, Amina, for joining me today to talk about bell hooks and love. This was such an inspiring conversation. If you want to learn more about her and Motherland, check out the links in the show notes. Bringing people into my world of rewilding continues to be a goal of mine. We just wrapped up our second BIPOC cabin yoga and sound bath event, and I am so grateful for everyone who attended supported, and made it happen. It was truly an honor to just hold space for folks. And as you heard at the top of the show, this was something that I have been building from my heart and my soul for a while now. These events really reminded me so much of how I love getting to see people open up and share their truth and seeing people embrace what is within them and step into a new version of themselves. I love the deep, reflective, and meaningful conversations with everyone who got to be at these events, who get to see themselves differently by the end, who get to see the world differently by the end. It's something that I did for over a decade in my work, first as a family therapist and then building leadership coaching and wellness programs for some of the biggest companies in the world. And I recognize just how much that work energizes me and how excited I am to build something like that around this idea of rewilding. So I'm in the process of designing a group program for women of color who feel lost in modern life and who feel called to connect back to themselves through nature. For the woman who might feel detached from what brings her joy, what brings her meaning, who regularly feels unseen, overlooked, misunderstood, or tokenized, the woman who wants to tap into her innate tools and resources to really cultivate true and meaningful ways to practice self-love, self-trust, self-leadership, the way that mama nature has always taught us to do. So if I am describing you, hello, dear friend, I see you, and I know how difficult it is to be where you are. This is very much where I began before I started my rewilding journey. I'm designing rewilding circles just for you, to bring together women who are serious about knowing ourselves the way nature intended us to be, for women who are craving sisterhood and accountability and a space of loving support. If you want to be the first to know about what is coming, I have opened up a wait list. Check the link in the show notes for more information and to apply for an upcoming session. 
All right, my wild ones, that is it for the light edition of the Black Girl Country Living podcast. If this show moved you or made you feel something, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Spotify and Apple. If you want to be the first to know about the latest magazine, podcast, and events, please subscribe to Black Girl Country Living on Substack. The link is in the show notes. The Black Girl Country Living podcast and magazine are written, produced, and edited by me, Hilary Maddox, with creative direction and monthly playlist curation by Udi Chima. Big thanks to all of you for listening and challenging yourself to see rewilding as a part of your life. You inspire me, and I am grateful to be on this journey together. Until next time, my wild ones, take care, be kind, and we will talk soon.